Welcome to the Fallscast. It is Sunday, September 17th, 2023. And as we continue to bring you interviews with all the council candidates, we are bringing you two special interviews today. This is an off week for us, so there's no roundtable. On this episode, we will have an interview with Ward 1 Councilperson Rachel Oza in preparation for the November election. And following that, Tom interviews Nikki Rettman, owner and operator of the Artful Cricket, now open on Porter's Trail. We hope you enjoy these interviews, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you. Today we're sitting down with Rachel Loza, Ward 1 City Council. She is um, going to be running for re-election, so we um, are trying to sit down with as many city council members, candidates that we can, and just kind of ask them some questions. Thank you for joining us. Of course, happy to be here. Great. So can you briefly introduce yourself and explain what motivates you to run for city council? Sure. Um, So I am Rachel Loza. I am a mom of three. Um, I've been married to my husband, Chad, since, oh gosh, 2012. I'm sorry, my brain is just like, what year was that? Oh, wait, that's saying that. I'm like, what year? Hell, yeah. Um, 2012, um, and I have three kids, Ari, who will be 11 in October, Remy, who turned seven in January, and Mila, who turned five in June. Oh, wow. Um, so I didn't run originally for city council. I was appointed for the vacancy of the Ward 1 seat when Drew Riley moved from Cuyahoga Falls to Stowe. Traitor. Traitor, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I lived down the street from Drew on Davis um, for many years, and apparently I had struck a chord with him that he suggested me when he moved, which I will say the only reason he moved is because he could not find a home in the falls, and he had just had a, they had just had a baby. Mm-hmm. So, um, congrats to him, and he's happy and thriving in Stowe. Absolutely. Um, but he does miss Cuyahoga Falls. Why not? Um, <laughs> we so, miss him too. Yes. So I was appointed <laughs> to his seat um, in the middle of COVID, August 2020, and um, I really wasn't sure that I was cut out for something like this because mm-hmm. I had a lot of reservations, but I also um, have always really served my community. Um, so I, I took it and I was appointed and then I had to run for reelection in 21 again during COVID. Mm -hmm. So campaigning during COVID, trying to knock on doors when people are like, stay away from me. (laughs) Um, you know, my kids weren't vaccinated yet, so I was hesitant. Um, and I won that seat then and now I'm running again, um, mostly because I feel called to serve my community and because I want to have an impact on behalf of my children. Um, and as well as the other young families out there. So um, really just, you know, prior to this, I worked at the YMCA mm-hmm. um, and was very involved with the youth there and was a girls on the run coach and things like that. So uh, I've always loved this community and the fact that I get to make an impact. It's just really important to me. Yeah, so. absolutely. So what do you see is the most pressing issues facing our city and how do you plan to address them? Okay pressing issues? Well, there are pressing issues that are obviously local, statewide, um, and and 
nationwide and global. But, you know, I think that the impact that we can make on communities is far more into the nitty gritty. Um, right now, um, I will personally speak on behalf of my board what the most pressing, pressing issues I hear from folks are. Um, besides neighborhood disputes, um, you know, repairing streets and infrastructure, um, specifically the, I've been very involved with uh, the electrical grid on the mm. east side. Um, you know, we are building a new electrical facility and making upgrades to the entire grid. Um, but in the meantime, I'm really pushing for more tree trimming. Mm. Um, we have a program here in the falls where the mayor, you know, in the administration and, and us, we, we put money towards trimming back trees um, as far as we're allowed to on right. that person's property. So given that right of way, because right now almost all of our electrical issues are based on trees or limbs falling. Yeah. Um, and what it does is, you know, a tree or a branch falling just even if it doesn't take the wire down, it stops the electricity. Yeah. So um, expanding that program a bit more, um, as well as I'm really pushing to have uh, animal control moved in-house. Uh, we currently don't have animal control here in Cuyahoga Falls. Um, and if you ask certain people, they'll tell you to contact Summit County. Yes. And Summit County will tell you they don't handle Cuyahoga Falls. It actually says it on their website. Um, and it's just a big circle. So if yeah. you have... A dog issue or um, a rooster issue which has been very prevalent in my ward I don't know if some people may know about rooster issues um, but you kind of get the runaround mm -hmm. so I'm pushing to have animal control brought back into Cuyahoga Falls so uh, oh, that's fantastic I know yeah. it sounds so you know like it shouldn't be a problem at all but it, it truly matters it to the people who live here so yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not solving world hunger, but... No, I mean, we found a run, lost dog, running mm -hmm. dog, who did not have a collar on. It was right before work, and um, we called the city, and, you know, they, there wasn't anything they could do, because mm -hmm. they're like, there's nobody here, we're sorry. Yeah. And then, you know, they're, they said, only really, all we can do is tell you just to let it go and hope it goes back home, yeah. which, you know, you don't really want to do, but that's what we ended up having to do. Yeah. Now, I will say, for those who don't know, um, the police will check to see if they're microchipped if you take them to the police department. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did not know um, that. So they do have the ability to check that, but that doesn't always solve the issue. No. So, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then just even, like, there's so many stray cats, you stray know. Stray cats. And they're the not... You know they're breeding and they're, they're just you know we have a bunch of stray cats in our neighborhood who you know we don't mind them but we don't want them to keep on breeding because right. it can become a dangerous you know for right. them and for other animals and other issues so yeah okay applaud that yeah. effort that's good that's very good <laughs> how do you plan to engage with the community to ensure their concerns and needs are being heard and considered okay um i think that one of the best parts of my job on city council is talking to people. Mm. Um, I make myself very available to, if you can, if you can find out who your council person is, which I hope that most people have the resources to do so or know somebody who does. Um, you know, I make myself really available uh, by text, by calling. Email is preferred if you want to send me something lengthy, but if we're just if you're trying to talk to me, calling and texting is perfect. Um, but I. Um, I've always really been in the community. Um, if you talk to my fellow council people, the 
tell you that I'm at every event Mm -hmm. and it's true but it's not because of city council it's because I'm just that involved and I want my kids to have these experiences so we're just always everywhere um hence seeing you at the you know firefighter right triple um (laughs) uh, you know I just like to be available um but I also put myself out there and knock on doors in the community and you know, the information that I'm giving folks has my direct cell phone number on it. I tell them exactly where I live. And a lot of times they, it's a pretty recognizable area. So they're like, oh, you're that person in that house. <laughs> um, but I say, you know, if you need me, call, text, mm-hmm. throw a stone. <laughs> Don't break a window. Yeah, but, no. you know, <laughs> smoke signals. Yeah. Know, I'm right across the park or I'm right around the corner. Uh-huh. So, um, and the most important job on city council is listening to people. Because a lot of times you won't be able to fix whatever right. issue they're having. Maybe there's a neighbor dispute and they just really want someone to talk to about it or they just want to feel heard. And, yeah. you know, empathy is really important and I actually think that it's something that most of the kids in my family are good at. I'm fortunate or fortunately, mm-hmm. I don't know, one or the other because we feel things too hard. But, um, you know, people just want to know that you're listening. Yes. And you, you can – I've said to people – hundreds of times before, you know, I don't know if there's anything that we can do about this, but, you know, at least we're listening and they can be heard. Yeah, no, that's great. That's true. What steps will you take to ensure transparency in your decision-making process while serving on city council? Um, So on city council, I'm on the public affairs committee. I am the chair of the public affairs committee. So um, I do see legislation come in my committee semi-frequently. And um, in addition to not just my committee's legislation, but um, we, I personally make comments during our city council meetings whenever appropriate, um, because I want people to know why I'm voting the way that I'm voting. So that's a lot of the reason why we speak up or I speak up um, during those meetings is to to give the justification for why I'm voting mm-hmm. a certain way. Um, in addition to that, I, I try to keep my social media, my, my council Facebook page updated with pertinent information and, um, you know, if we have any big issues come through, I, I want people to be involved. I want their voices to be heard, whether it's at... Um, a committee hearing or a public hearing, you know, just come on out and, and speak about this because their voice matters. So yeah, I try and uh, communicate those those big important meetings uh, as frequently as I can. Right. And council meetings aren't exactly always exciting. No, so <laughs> if you've been to one, we've been, we've been yes. home. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's real, real boring for everybody else, but it's important. It is important. Yeah. What do you bring to the table for the new younger voters? Ooh, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, up your alley. I know, I know. It's really interesting because I'll be 39 this year, and I'm like, I'm getting older, but I'm still pretty young, right? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you actually are. And, the, you know, you're just right around that, you know, generation where yeah. you want people to start getting engaged. Yes. So, again, kind of referencing back to being convinced to take the city council <laughs> job. Um, you know, it, it, since starting on city council, it's become really apparent to me that I need to be the voice for young parents, um, specifically young mothers, and absolutely nothing against men or dads. Mm-hmm. It's just that as a mom, I feel the brunt of the, the mental load 
of being a parent and doing all of these things. And I think that my particular perspective as a mom, you know, whose kids are going, like going to grow up through this city is important for all of the things that come before city council. So first and foremost, my first thought is families, young families. How do we bring young families to this town? How do we keep young families in this town? And how do we protect young families in this town? So whether it be the parks upgrades or, you know, um, it's something as silly as painting the pool at Waterworks. Mm -hmm. It seems silly, but, you know, if you had seen the pool prior to this year, and they only did half of it, and I understand for budgetary constraints, that's why they did half of it, but parts of the pool were gray, parts of the pool were blue, and that makes it really difficult when you have little kids swimming around there for the lifeguards to be able to keep track of who's okay and who isn't. So everyone else, you know, oh, cool, we're going to paint the pool. And thank you for painting the pool. This is so important. Um, It's just not something that everyone would think about, and I don't blame them Mm -hmm. because they're not in the thick of it with Mm -hmm. little kids Mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, But I think it's a pretty unique perspective and important perspective to have on city council. Absolutely. What kind of programs can be implemented in the other densely populated areas of the city to make the city more attractive to younger first-time homebuyers. So I really like that, and I'm I, I'm going to preface this by saying I did not grow up in Cuyahoga Falls. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Geauga County in Amish country, um, <laughs> and my husband and I, well, he lived here prior to us uh, getting together, but we are staying here forever. And one of the reasons that I think that Cuyahoga Falls is so special is that all the neighborhood parks, it's not just a park here and a park there. Uh, they are all over the place. And um, there's obviously a very dense population here down on Front Street where business happens, where people come to have dinner and all that. But, you know, um, having those neighborhood parks is a really huge draw for families. Having those parks kept up Um, I would like to see some of our parks expanded on because I think that's really important. Um, I don't know what's to come with the Sill Middle School property, but I'm Mm. excited to see. The the city does not own that property. Uh, The school district does. But, you know, even in Preston Park, which is right next door to me, it's huge. Mm -hmm. It is huge and mostly empty. And I'd love to see, you know, more community gardens go into spaces like that. I know it's all the rage right now, but pickleball courts go into places like that. Places with space, maybe a dog park, because that's truly what's going to bring families together in those neighborhoods, right. is that they gather at those places. Yeah, you'll see people in Target, hey, you know, but you you come together at the parks as families. So, um, and we'd, I'd love to see some house prices come down just a little bit oh, gosh, to make it a right? little bit more affordable. <laughs> Yeah, but no, that's everywhere. That's though. everywhere. I mean, that's right. just not a Cuyahoga Falls issue. Right. That's for sure. We were looking at our um, what our house estimate was, and we're like, no way. There's no way it'd be that much. Right. So I mean, it's hopefully it will come down. Right. Um. So I have one more serious question for you okay. before we get to our fun one. How will you measure the success of your tenure on council? Um. I measure the success in kind of two parts. So first and foremost, if they if I'm voted back in, because ultimately it's up to the people to decide whether or not I'm doing a good job. Um, and it gives me a lot of anxiety thinking about that because I'm trying to do a good job and I hope that I, in their eyes, I am 
you know, fulfilling my duties. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way. And then the other is seeing progress, um, making things happen, um, m- making our voices heard on city council, uh, pushing back on certain things, bringing other things to the forefront um, is really, it, it, I'm actually amazed at, at how good it feels to be making those changes and helping out our city in those ways that, you know, three years ago, if you had asked me, I would have said, I don't know. <laughs> but now seeing changes actually happen, mm-hmm. um, seeing businesses thrive is just, mm-hmm. it's a huge marker of success, I think. Mm-hmm. And to say I had a teeny tiny part in that just makes me feel a lot better about it. So Yeah, that's great. All right, you ready for our fun question? Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> I consider it fun. I don't okay. know if you will. <laughs> So if the city council were to have a theme song that played every time you walked into a council meeting, what song would best represent the energy and spirit you bring to the table? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's your theme song when you're walking in? So it's so funny because I don't think this is my theme song, but it's the only song that's in my head right now because my seven-year-old just keeps singing it on repeat. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) The only line she knows of this whole song is... It's Wrecking Ball by... (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Only because you can't put me on the spot like that. And like, I'm moving through my song indexing in my brain and it's just not there. But she sings that over and over again. And she's a little Wrecking Ball herself. So I don't want to be a disruptor. But sure, Wrecking Ball. Let's go with that. Hey, you know what? Why not, right? Yeah, you do. And I love it. I love it. That was a good answer. Um, Is there anything else that you want to say and let people know how did how can they get a hold of you if they have any questions or if they want to you know help with your campaign sure so um my cell phone number is 330-812-2011 yep call text um but i will always preface that by saying um i do have three little kids at home and sometimes (laughs) things are chaos yes um so i am as quick as possible to get back to folks, but within 24 hours, um, which is why texting sometimes works better. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm always available. I live on Talmadge right next to Preston. I'm a frequent face, uh, all over the city just because I love this, everything about this city. So parks, businesses, festivals, mm-hmm. all of it. Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere. And if you want to get in touch, that's my info. Great. Yeah. Oktoberfest is happening right now. Yes. You just came from that? Kind of. Kind yes. of. Yes. I, yes, I, I briefly <laughs> walked through Oktoberfest, <laughs> and I plan on going back to get um, pierogi. So. Oh, yes, of yes. course. Of course. I'm a pierogi lady, so, yeah. <laughs> That's what he said he wanted to do. And I'm like, what is it, a hot dog on, you know, bread? It's a hot dog sandwich. <laughs> a hot dog <laughs> sandwich, which can be said for a hot dog in a bun. Yes. Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> So we do appreciate you taking yeah, the time and to sit down with us and, you know, give your um, your spiel mm-hmm. on why you're rerunning for city council. And we wish you the best of luck. Thank and you. Um, thanks. Thank you for sitting down. Thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Fallscast. I'm Tom Sullivan, and tonight we're lucky enough to be interviewing Nikki Reppin, owner of the Artful Cricket, which just opened on Portage Trail. Hello. Hello, Nikki. Uh, I guess we can start off by, why don't you give your location and what your hours are? Okay. 
Um, the location is 125 Portage Trail. I'm right here between uh, Upfront Art Space and Harvest Yoga. Couldn't ask for a better spot for a henna studio. I'm already in love with my neighbors. Everybody's awesome. Yeah, Nikki's really special. <laughs> I'm a big goober. Don't let him fool you. Nikki um, next door, too. Oh, yes, Nikki. Yes, Nikki. <laughs> Don't mind me. And uh, what kind of hours? The hours... Generally speaking, are and it's a bit awkward because I have to pause in the middle of the day to pick the kids up from school. So it's 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. and then 3:30 to 5 on Wednesday and Thursday, and then Friday it is 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. and 3:30 to 7, and then Saturday is 11 to 7, Sunday is 11 to 3. Okay, and by appointment, I'm sure. Too. And I take walkings as well. Okay. And the goods and services provided? Uh, I do all-natural henna body art. I mix the paste myself, so you can be absolutely assured that it is petrochemical-free and uh, natural stain, just like people have been using for thousands of years. And I also have a selection of fair trade products and art and other products from artists and artisans from Northeast Ohio. Okay. Uh, which that kind of moves us into the next question. Explain what henna is. Okay. You um, know, uh, and maybe a little bit of the history of it, etc. Sure. Henna is a plant, and there are many names for it. Every culture that uses it has their own name for it. You may have, might have heard Mendi or Mahendi or Hina, Elhina. Um, and it's a plant. It grows best in very hot, dry regions or regions that have a very pronounced drought and monsoon cycle. Um, it's a scrubby bush, and the leaves produce the reddish-brown dye called blossom, similar to the way indigo produces blue. The way it works is dye molecule binds to the keratin in your skin. So the leaves are harvested, dried, and ground into powder. And then the way I do it is I buy two different varieties of henna powder, one from the Rajasthan region of India, which is famous for its henna, and another very well-known and reliable brand of henna called Jamila, which is from Pakistan. And I mix that with distilled water, raw sugar, and a little bit of lavender and frankincense essential oils, and uh, mix it into a paste. And then I put the paste into tiny little, like, miniature cake decorating cones. I was, was going to ask and explain how it's applied. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like decorating a cake, but don't lick it. It'll make you really sad. It doesn't taste nearly as nice as it looks. But you let the paste sit on your skin for several hours. Um, I usually tell people a minimum of four hours to get a decent stain. Optimal staining time is anywhere between six and 12 hours, depending on the location on the body. What type of patterns, and do any of them have any type of religious or spiritual connotations that go along with them. I mean, every culture has their own imagery and symbolism, many of which do have religious overtones or symbolism. Um, just as a, for instance, that many people are familiar with, the Om symbol from uh, the Hindu religion, it kind of looks like a, a fancy 30 with a little apostrophe over it. It basically represents the sound of creation, the first sound made by the universe, which is why you always hear, you know, in the stereotypical 
media representation of the guru. They're always chanting, oh, oh. We had a friend that started a national campaign to replace the dial tone with home. <laughs> she like didn't that. get very far, but it was fun. Yeah. Okay. But, um, you'll uh, see that in a lot of um, henna, and it's very important that the own symbol is never applied below the waist because it's considered very disrespectful. Oh, okay. Uh, and you say it's it, it basically it stains your skin. How, typically, how long does an application last? The back of the hand usually lasts around a week. Um, anything above the wash line, like above the wrist on the arm, can last a week to two weeks. Um, legs and feet can hold the stain anywhere between a week and three weeks. And the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet where the skin is thickest can actually hold the stain between two and four weeks. That's very interesting. And how long have you been a henna artist? I've been working with henna for over 22 years now. Um, I found out about it in middle school when my mom signed me up for one of those get your kid out of the house for a day things at the local library. Don't let anyone tell you that libraries are obsolete. A library literally changed my life. They had a woman come in and give kind of a mini history and culture lesson about henna. And she brought some in for folks to experiment with. And I just fell in love with everything about it. The art form itself, the fact that it's body art, but it's temporary, no pain, no needles, no commitment kind of thing. The feminine-centric aspect of it, the fact that it's been, it's one of the few art forms that has been primarily cultivated and maintained by women, specifically women of color. The multiculturalism of it, the history of it, people have been using henna to ornament their bodies for at least 5,400 years. That's the oldest archaeological evidence we have of it. Wow. And, and you've only, so you're just 22, you're just getting started <laughs> as far as... Yep, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just a newbie as, as far as the tradition is concerned. Okay. Uh, what would, describe what a typical henna session would be. Depending on if someone has scheduled an appointment or they just walk in off the street, I welcome them to the shop. Sometimes people will take a look around the retail space, or if they're here for an appointment, they'll just um, either take a look at the design books I have, or they'll have um, a design they found on the internet that they like me to use as inspiration, or they just say, do a thing, make it pretty. I have X dollars to spend, and they'll sit on the couch, and I'll put my little table down, and we'll sit and do art. And Yeah, I, I think at this time it is important. I know there's a lot of tattoo artists that will draw the image, and then to give themselves something to work with, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll apply the image to your body and then move the ink around it. Mm -hmm. All of your stuff is done freehand, correct? That's correct. Sometimes, like if it's a an awkward spot on the body, or if I want to make absolutely sure that something lines up in a very specific way, I'll use eyeliner pencil to give myself a couple little guidelines for where I want the the henna, the, like the boundary or the center line, something like that. But every the art is done freehand. And do you do groups, or have you done groups? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, weddings, wedding parties, or? I, I've done... Pretty much every, everything you can think of. Um, in my time as an itinerant artist, which has been for most of my career, I do festivals all summer long. Um, I do birthday parties, graduation parties, bridal showers, 
Mendy Nights, which is um, a specific celebration usually from the Indian culture, but also just Southeast Asia in general. A lot of the cultures will do a Mendy Night for the bride a few days before the wedding, specifically to get the henna, the bridal henna. A lot of the family is around to help the bride eat and do whatever she needs to do because generally bridal henna covers the palms and the backs of the hands, sometimes all the way up to this the This is elbow. a wedding tradition. Yes. Um, henna is very closely associated with a lot of milestone celebrations historically and throughout many different cultures, and one of the big ones is weddings. And I also do parties just, you know, for the heck of it. I just had my first party here at the shop, a birthday party for a family that I've done henna for several times in the years past. And as I recall, you used to be just Disclosure, I know Nikki from Studio 2091. She had a space as an artist-in-residence there as well. But, yeah, I remember you would have people come in Mm -hmm. for parties. Do you have a grand opening planned, do you, Nikki, and it's when? I sure do. It is Saturday, September 23rd. Um, I open at my usual time. We're going to have a ribbon cutting at 2 o'clock with the mayor. Woohoo! I'll be doing walk-in henna all day. Some of the artists and artisans whose lovely products adorn the store will be here doing samples, demos, little presentations to introduce you to their products. Um, We'll be doing a raffle. Uh, Some generous neighbors of mine are donating a couple prizes, and I'll also be raffling off a couple free henna sessions as well. That's good. And the ribbon cutting is at 2 p.m. then? Yes. All right. That's pretty much it. Uh, your payments, cash? I take cash, all major credit cards, Google Pay, Apple Pay, all okay. those fun. And uh, can you be found on the interwebs? I do indeed have a presence on the interwebs. It is www.theartfulcricket.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Artful Cricket Henna. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to you, talk to us. And everybody, uh, I've known this lady for quite some time, and she is truly talented. You will not be disappointed. And that's it. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Tom. Fallscast is a production of the Falls Free Press in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Please check out the Falls Free Press at fallsfreepress.com or on social media at facebook.com slash fallsfreepress. We thank you for listening to this episode, which was recorded and edited by Bart Sullivan. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell your Call to Falls friends and family so they can listen as well.